You're listening to the AID Network. Hey, friend, I have a question for you. Are you gay? Or is someone that you know or love gay? I mean, it's not my business, but it certainly is Connie's business. As you know, Connie's been a proud ambassador of the LGBTQ community for years, and now she's celebrating that with ButchAndSissy.co, her own personal brand, celebrating the community that she's so proud of with apparel, buttons, enamel pens, patches, stickers, and all kinds of combo packs. So if you're looking to show your pride or to help somebody else you know show their pride, swing over to butchandsissy.co and pick up something for yourself or a loved one today. And you don't have to be gay to shop butchandsissy.co because there's plenty of things for people that are into feminism. Well, I mean, everybody should be into that. But if you want to show your feminist pride, she's got you covered as well as anybody who loves rock and roll. And my God, who doesn't love rock and roll? Butchandsissy.co, your number one place to buy something for the LGBTQ people that you know. I really got to get somebody to start an LGBTQ BBQ. I mean, how's that not going to work? Hey, friends, you don't want to go through your life just holding your stuff. That's why one of the greatest inventions of mankind, you know it, it's the folder. And right now you can save 20% off pocket folders from jackprince.com slash circle of trust. And like everything Jack Prince makes, customization is job number one. Well, technically the printing, no, the printing can't be job number one because you got to know what you're printing first. So yes, customization is job number one. And the pocket folder is no different than anything else that you bring over to jackprince.com. Customization is always up to you. So you can customize the stock that your folder is made out of, but you can also customize the pocket inside. Put the pocket in the folder that you need there. Start customizing your pocket folders today by going to jackprince.com slash circle of trust and currently save 20%. And if you decide to put that 20% into your pocket and not tell your clients that they're on sale for 20% off, that's entirely up to you. A little bit of advice from Mark It Up Ricky. And welcome back to another episode of Comment Below, where we're going to dig through, dig through the entertainment schedule for this month of April. On the show this morning, my great friend, Connie Collinsworth. Connie, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I know that you have a trip to Las Vegas that's dangerously close. What are you going to uh, Las Vegas for? Is it like a gay thing? Yeah, it's it's a, well more. It's more, yeah, it's a queer thing. We're gonna say a queer thing. It's a queer it's, thing. Is that with the, is that T H I N G or T H A N G? Uh, it's got a, three or four more G's on there, Mark. Come on. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going out for Clexicon, which is uh, a queer media and fandom convention for mostly. Uh, f- to be honest, it's mostly female. It's a women's media convention. So yeah, it's a lesbian thing. It's a it's a bisexual thing. It's a whatever your thing is thing. Um, we went out last year, and this is uh, had a great time. We were amongst our people. I got to 
practice my vending and selling skills, which I haven't done in years, uh, you know, that I fine-tuned with Premafia and bring it to the, the queer masses. And we're headed back again this year. We'll leave on, uh, in the middle of next week, and I can't wait. It's a like, nice working con- uh, convention, but at the same time, a Las Vegas vacation. All right, so I'm totally fascinated. You've, you've just got my interest going here. <laughs> Hip, too cool for school, south of southwest people walking through a flat stock, or lesbians amongst themselves at a lesbian convention which one's a friendlier shopper which one's more finicky oh by far the hipsters are more finicky because this is really more of a like you know the the people in school who were the nerds that were really the cool people yeah Yeah. that's that's what we're getting here it's it's like all kind of hot lady nerds oh yeah so <laughs> i'm listening <laughs> yeah who are uh like uh you know got the got the feminist slant going but also they're like you know they love women too so yeah. it's it's right up your alley it's Man. like what i think fascinates you about me yeah so. <laughs> and why you're arguably one of my absolute best friends of all time was like she fucking gets it man she gets it yeah so i'm i'm looking forward to that we're taking a couple we're we're going the big bonanza this time we went last year and i think you'll appreciate the business side of this within 15 minutes of having our single booth set up because we'd never been to the convention before i knew everything i'd done wrong yeah and everything i was going to do as soon as i came back and i started working on it as soon as i came back to prepare for this year i love that it's it's you know we went we didn't know what to expect so we took small little table setups you know and just a big display in the back then i realized that i needed these people they crowded around my booth so much that people couldn't get through the walkway yep and then and then people were you know like looking the merchandise keeping other people it's like when you go to a good concert and the merch is good and and you're like way back and you can't get up there to see what the shirt is um i kind of had that going on so this year we're going double booth bonanza 10 by 20 booth. Nice. Um, and I decided to get rid of the typical table concept. I'm taking a, uh, doing a living room setup. Taking walk a couch. into the booth. Walk into the walk, booth. Walk into the booth. We've got a couch set up. We've got a huge t-shirt wall. How are with you the, getting all this to Las Vegas? <laughs> well, you got to spend it to make it, Mark. That so. sounds like a lot. Are you renting the couch? Because those couches are expensive. No, this couch that's out here, I'm looking at it right now in this den. <laughs> My Novograd. You're shipping a couch. Nope. I've got a, a son that lives in this house who owes us big time. So he and our nephew are getting in a rented van and driving oh my, my entire god. setup, my couch. my I have a step and repeat wall for photos. Oh, my God. You're going <laughs> hard. Going hard with this one. I mean, you know, I, I, if I can't do something like to be the best at it, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I, just don't. Well, I know so that I don't about play, you. That's why I don't play video games. I suck at them. Yeah. I'm the only person that doesn't play them because I can't be good at it, so I don't do it. So anyway, they're loading all this stuff up in a van. And actually, with shipping what we shipped last year, it's not costing us any more to rent the van other than paying those boys a little bit of money and, uh, oh my and God. putting them up. So well, we're, we're taking that. Plus, I can just – that way I'm, I'm – you know, I take as much as I want and keep it in the van and keep restocking and all that. I mean, I'm going big. Knowing 50% of those boys that are making that drive, that's a movie <laughs> all into itself. That's a very modern day uh, Smokey and the Bandit. We got to get all this stuff out to the LGBTQ community in time to make it to Las Vegas. But we also, we might be a little bit high. Like, I love the idea of that. It's, it actually is a Smokey and the Bandit because they're going through Colorado. So. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking forward to that, um, and I would love to, when we get back the next time that we talk, I will report on the big uh, lesbian media nerd convention um, 
And, you know, the, the other cool thing about it is it's it plays right into my TV fascination. Because, oh, yeah. This is a perfect Venn diagram for you. Everything overlaps. <laughs> yeah. All the the, uh, the women and, uh, and and folks from the shows that I watch that are not the shows that we usually talk about on here, but my whole second life of my, my queer right. movie and TV. That you watch on your rainbow TV? Exactly. <laughs> rainbow <laughs> Channel. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. And I've been working like a crazy person. And so has my wife getting ready for that. But it'll all it'll all be nice when we get there. Quick question, because we get so spoiled doing these uh, artist forward events. If you don't mind me asking, what does a double booth cost at an event like that? Um, it is, I think I paid $1,100 oh, okay. for the booth. I get five vendor passes with that. And, um, if the, the single booth was, was five fifty, so, oh, okay. it, you know, it's, it's just, it's just doubling it. Um, but it's, uh, you know, we, we more than we, we made our expectations were, you know, low last year and we did great. So I'm hoping that adding in shirts, hats, beanies, um, and, uh, you know, mugs and other products to just my, not just my pins and pads. I did that with last year. I did, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. I did $7,000 with $10 items. Wow. So, you know, wow, it's not that's like great. breaking the bank or whatever, but they're really small dollar items. So that's great. And I know in the items that you're selling too, all those items have a very generous markup. So that's a lot, yeah. a lot of that 7,000 goes right into your front pocket, never yep. the back pocket in Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> and I think that you're going to you're going to see a big bump just because you're not doing the bridge booth. And the bridge booth is where you put a table in front of you and then the audience is on the other side. So you have just built a bridge that is separating everybody from the actual products. Doing this more, as you said, living room setup, inviting people into the space, that alone is going to bump everything up 25%. Just because people can actually come in and touch it, people don't give up, it can become a hang spot. Like Inviting people into the, the booth is the smartest thing ever. Beth and I abandon the table. We take the table and push it all the way up to the wall. If you want to look at the table, you got to be standing next to the art. And that alone just spikes up everything. That's what we're doing. Tables are going to the back of the booth. The only thing that will be in any of the walkways is uh, those little 12 by or nine cube t-shirt things yeah. are going to make one little table in the center where I can Perfect. set some things on the top that are just for display, like the little things that hold the hats up and, yeah. and the mugs and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I really just wanted uh, people to come in and, and feel like it's a place they could hang out because we had so many repeat people back to the booth last year that were just kind of coming to hang out. And I was like, I think they'll just, you know, hang out and bring their friends with them this time. And uh, behind the couch is going to be the step and repeat wall with my logos on it. So if people want to get photos at the convention, my logo is going to be on there also with any photo that they put up so and the name butch and sissy is so good <laughs> that just by proxy people are gonna be like i don't even know what this is but i want a photo of me and my girl or me and my best friend with this yeah. behind us because you're already adding a narrative to the photo yeah and it's not fighting to just stand in some weird spot you've got some nice clean wall behind you you're sitting on a couch People compose up. I mean, do whatever they want to do on there. That's going to be interesting, I bet. <laughs> There's this toy store in California Adventure, the, the Disney park here, the second part. And it's called Big Top Toys. And out front, they have the sign, Big Top Toys. And when I see, like, a guy 
with a shit eating grin on his face and his buddies taking the photo and I could tell what they're doing. I'm like, I'll always walk by if I see them doing this. I'm like, I'm a power bottom because I know exactly <laughs> what they're doing, trying to line up that big top. big top. And you see this guy and he's just smiling in front of it. And I I always laugh and like, I know what you're up to, guys. This is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, that's... Uh I like that you're in on that little bit of lingo and, and that little subculture stuff there, because I mean, being gay is more than just being gay. It's like a whole, you know, it, it's not just the sex. It's not just who you're dating it's community, it's not who you're married man. to or whatever. Yeah. It's a whole like level of, of just other culture that is, it's just fun. There's, there's nothing like bad about it. It's just all fun stuff. That's why gay Twitter is so fun. I mean, still don't have the app on my phone. Every time I try to download it, it says you're not authorized. <laughs> this is the thing that I learned though. And, and it, it, TV and and more importantly, film brings this natural curiosity to me. I was the perfect age for all the John Hughes films. Mm-hmm. And I will go down uh, to my death saying that John Hughes was a major influence on 90s culture and that everybody who was a teenager or an early 20 something in the 90s grew up watching the John Hughes films in the 80s. And that's where that seed got planted in your mind of you don't have to be the good looking ripped jock. And by the way, he might also be gay. Um, You don't have to be like the cool kids in your school because the real cool kids are the ones that are getting bullied sitting in that table in the corner. And it, it became so cool to not be cool that then it became mainstream. But I always say that the John Hughes films is sort of that that template of embracing that very, very first wave of alternative lifestyle culture. And so for me, growing up in the punk and hardcore and skateboarding, those are all subcultures. So when I moved to Toronto and I landed in, you know, the bullseye of gay culture in North America, it was just like, I know how this works. I'm fascinated by subcultures. And I would go to the dog park every day and ask these guys so many questions. They're just like, are you fucking writing a book? on being gay. I'm like, dude, I want to know everything about it. And that's why they got, you know, they would tell me a term and Stern's been good at this too. Howard Stern's been really good at introducing very straight men into very gay concepts. And that's where you learn terms like twink or power bottom or a bear. And you get all of these terms. And it's like the audience on the Stern show couldn't love George Dakai and Brad's love any more than what they do. And I think that's a huge accomplishment of Howard's, a very huge accomplishment to get somebody like my dad going, man, when that George comes on, he just can't help but talk shit about Brad. I feel bad for Brad because he's just trying to be a good husband, but George (laughs) just blows him up every time. That's my dad having that conversation with me, a truck driver from Kentucky. Yeah. And that's because of normalization because Howard is, is, with his people on that and he knows how to get to them, normalize it, make it an everyday thing, make it a joke thing, make it that George can be on, on the gay joke. George can take that, you know, and it, 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 it kind of lets some of that, you know, fear of not understanding something go away. So that's why Howard Stern is one of the greatest ever. And George is so fucking horny, man. You put a dick in the room and he can't stay away from it. And I think guys, that are raised with this whole like be whatever you want but don't be gay i think it just it normalizes and it's like 
George is just like me if there was a naked chick in the room. You know what I mean? And I think that mm-hmm. it really brings it down to this sort of like caveman level that men exist at. But we're also seeing a lot of this happening with with media normalizing things. And you and I, I know we both fell in love. It seems like we're getting one of these a month now. And I, I just more of these type of shows, more of these type of shows. You and I, we love Pin 15, which exploited, you know, that that awkwardness of being a young girl and being young in high school, kind of a nod back to the John Hughes thing that we talked about. But Shrill, that was last month's surprise. Shrill with 80, her name's 80... Aidy Bryant, Aidy Bryant from SNL. She's been a longtime cast member. Um, you probably know her as the big girl, and Shrill just embraced every fucking stereotype that woman could ever have and hit the tone perfectly. Uh, Hulu is just on fire with with embracing like where girls left off. Yeah, it, Hulu has always had some of my favorite little um, original shows and and shows that they choose to air from other networks and things. Um, but this shrill, you and I talked about it and we watched the trailer for it and we were both very excited. And it what when I watched the show, it wasn't what I was excited f- for that. I, you know, I thought it was going to get, it was a different show and it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. I still, I loved it. It was a different tone than I thought it was going to have. But I also was worried that A.D. Bryant was just going to come out and be her SNL character, which yes. she's always great. Always great. You can count on her for a great, you know, like exaggerated character and t- perfect timing. So I knew those would be OK, but I didn't I thought we were just going to get her, you know, big girl persona from SNL. And we did not get that at all. And I think it was the tone of the show that did that. I ripped through it. We watched it in one evening. Um, if you were keeping tabs on me on Hulu, you knew that. <laughs> I don't know how I would do that. I mean, that's the, the, how would I know what you're watching on Hulu? I mean, that sounds impossible. Uh, but I could tell somehow that you were ripping through it. You know, the the independent, I call these like indie TV shows because they have the vibe of an independent movie that's not big budget it's it's wild how the indie shows do such a better job of inclusion than network shows because network shows still rely on the stereotype like tropes of like black best friend black cousin and this show was so well blended that you didn't mm-hmm. even notice that it was blended like it felt so at home like you really felt like you're hanging out in this little area of Portland and um, <laughs> God if that boyfriend of hers doesn't make Every woman want to turn gay. I don't know what would. <laughs> talking trash. What are you talking no, about? I'm talking trash. My favorite podcast. <laughs> I would actually probably listen to talking trash. <laughs> you, you absolutely would. Hey, friends, thank you so much for hanging out today with Connie Collinsworth and myself. Don't forget, you can always find her over at butchandsissy.co. But it's so great to have you over here where each and every Monday, we just try to make Mondays easy going and manageable, right? Like it's not the day to get into deep interviews. It's not the day to dig through all the crazy business stuff. It's a good day to sit back, talk about all the great TV, film, and entertainment that's out there, hang out with a bud, and just ease into the work week, right? That's why comment below is here each and every Monday, an easy conversation to get your week going. If you'd like to hear the full version of today's episode, Make sure you become a member of the Circle of Trust over at the AID.network. That's how we support the show. That's how we're here each and every Monday. And when you sign up, you get the full archive of all the comment below episodes, as well as over 900 different episodes featuring interviews and conversations just like the one you're going to hear today, made between people that figured out a way to turn their daydream 
into their day job. Let's get back into comment below on the AID network. Shrill's a great show, man. I, I recommend everybody to watch it. It's little 30-minute segments. It deals with not fitting in. It deals with weight. It deals with uh, how women in their 20s have a low low self-value. So sexually, they don't really uh, respect themselves. And it, it, it literally made a lot of things make sense for me in my 20s, like looking back on life. And what about like the sex scenes in this show? Per I mean... I know that you were a fan. <laughs> Let's just give A.D. Bryant... You know, I don't want to say this the way that's going to sound like it's it's one of the first times besides Hannah Horvath on um, girls mm -hmm. that we've seen someone just be free with their body that normally society would not expect them to be that way. That, you know, oh, there's going to be a body double here. We're going to be able to tell that's not really her. Or oh, whatever. it's her. It's definitely her. It's it's a needed representation. It's a needed viewing for everyone to see. And I loved it. And I actually loved that boyfriend, too. I mean, you're supposed to, like, not, you know, get him because he's causing so many problems for her or whatever. But I love that dude. I love the best friend, uh, housemate. Um, and, they, you know, they just casually slid that in there that she's gay. Not the, a big deal. The, not a big deal. And that's how life is. I mean, you just that's how things are. So I'm yeah, it wasn't super this happy. Big announcement. You're, you're totally right. Yeah, she's just that she was just talking about her relationships or her dating, or we see her go to the club, I think it was, and, and automatically is like, oh, this person, you know, and mm -hmm. it's a woman she's talking about. But the main episode, and I hope that everyone gives it a chance and gets to the swimming party episode, because that, there's a scene in there that is pure joy. It's like, yeah, you not just watching someone in pure joy, if you've ever had any of those issues, you'll identify with that. And you know, you were saying like the big girl and, and it's dealing with weight issues and things. It's not only dealing with like body weight issues. The show deals with like the weight issues of a shitty boss mm. of not that being boss able is to. so shitty. <laughs> John Cameron Mitchell is amazing. He's whatever great, he is man. in. He is great. What, whatever he is in. I know it, it about just feminism. Is... I was the original bass player of Bikini Kill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Those one off lines. I mean, we're, we're starting a little fan club for the show here. And, and I hope that everyone uh, takes our, you know, if they've like what we've ever talked about and giving you any good advice take it and watch this but it's it's just a show about like it doesn't even have to be like a person with weight issues who can relate to yes. this character it's just anyone that's a millennial or older or midlife or trying to make a career change or trying to be creative trying to do anything that's your passion and you've got all these things against you you're behind the eight ball on all of this stuff it's it'll pay off for you to watch this it, it's it's one of those programs that really resonates with me because one, you know, my twenties are in my rearview mirror and I've already gone through this part of my life and I understand how sloppy it can be. But two, it it's for anybody who's ever been an outsider, you know, and mm -hmm. if you, there's just some degree, if you're a creative, you've been an outsider at some point in your life. And even when you're inside the agency world, you're still an outsider because, well, those are the creatives and then, you know, we, they're at a different beat than us business people and our sales guys. So, you I mean, being an artist by by virtue already makes you a little bit outside of society's boundaries. And I think that that's why shows like this on top of already having lived this life experience. I think that's why you just get that double whammy of man, this really resonates the show that looks to be cut of this same template that comes out Friday, April 12th over on Netflix is called special and special is about uh, a young gay man who also happens to have cerebral palsy. And that sounds Oof. like, oh, God, roll my eyes. Is everybody not special today in this millennial world? Watch the trailer. 
and tell me this doesn't win you over and go, I can't wait to watch this. Like this looks like it's going to be cut from that same cloth and sort of watching this, you know, he's young and he's gay and he's trying to figure out all of that. And then he has the cerebral palsy on top of that. It just adds an extra level of dealing with bullshit, but as a comedy opens up so many different doors of how people treat you, how people understand things. And I thought it looked really, really good. What about you? Yeah. When I initially heard about it and then saw that Jim Parsons was attached as like creator or whatever his role is with it and heard the name and then what it was about, I was just like, Oh boy, I'm just not interested in this. It seemed like movie of the week territory. Yeah, this would have been an after school special when you and I were in high school. (laughs) When we were kids, well, I'm older than you, but you maybe remember this. Um, There was a movie and it was a big deal. It was a primetime, you know, like ABC Monday night movie or whatever. And it had Sean Cassidy and Linda Pearl as um, adults living with mental retardation as their diagnosis. And they discovered each other and wanted to get married. Do you remember this movie no but it does sound like the storyline of life goes on with corky and amanda (laughs) yeah exactly this was predated that this was probably late 70s and um boy it was like cringeworthy watching that thing yeah because you you got sean cassidy who was you know the hardy boys and and the heartthrob and every 16 magazine and then his first like movie thing that he does he's he's playing the fella you know and really exaggerating all of he's doing the stereotypes Yeah. And it was, but I can still remember it, you know, watching it. And so instantly that clicked into my mind with this show. I was like, oh, I hope they don't go this route. And then watched the trailer and I was immediately blown away. I was, like you said, it's that indie kind of film. Like this would be a quirky, like Sundance indie film if it was a movie. The soundtrack on the trailer really plays in and helped like establish what I think it's going to be. And it looked it looks really good to me. I'm looking forward to seeing it. And like I agree with you, I think it's this month's shrill. Yeah. Um. And it has the added layer of okay. Not only I guess I don't know. I've not been in this situation, but hard enough for a person with any sort of you know handicap or disability. Mm-hmm. I guess I hope that's the correct way to say that. In the heterosexual dating world, would be hard enough. But good lord. The gay men's dating world. Oh my God, Grinder is a, a nonstop dog and pony show, you know. And so to add in any little I'm off, you swipe next or however it works. But yeah, that would just add a level of complication. And you know, one of the things that I wish somebody would do this show. I'd love to see a show about aging gay men. And how rough that must be when you no longer have the six pack, when, you know, when life is sort of taken over. And I'm not talking about like, you know, just guys with thick beards that are bears. I'm talking about guys that were like hot, you know what I mean? That like Mm -hmm. had the world literally by the balls and how that aging must just be horrible because it's it's such a physical attraction world for a man. And when you look at men in society, you know, there's the whole joke of, you know, when your wife ages, you trade her in for a new one. And I would mm-hmm. love to see what it's like to be, is this wrong for me to say an old queen's tale? <laughs> no, that would be a great show. They tried to do that, but they, 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 they couldn't get out of the TV Track, yeah, I don't want this know. to be a comedy. I want this to right. be like, like a heartbreaking story of a guy who's just like, Am I what my whole value was my looks and age is not kind to looks. So what well, does that look like when you're older? They tried to do that on HBO. There was a show called Looking. Oh, yeah. Watch? I remember I didn't watch it because I'm homophobic. 
it's the uh, gay men's San Francisco girls. You need to watch it. I've watched it like four times. All right, I'm in. So good. I'm in. Um, and your your fascination with the gay culture will help play into that too. Thank you. Um, that you will love it. Yes. It. They tried to do it on there. Uh, Scott Bakula is an older gentleman. I'm Scott but he's, Bakula. Uh, 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 what a name. <laughs> he quantum leaped into old gay town. <laughs> That's what happened with him. And so he's an older uh, gay in the community there, but he's an established business owner. He'd been through the AIDS crisis. He's been, you know, had a long-term partner, all these kind of things. And then there's one of the younger characters who's still young, but like he was the hot shit. He was the Brian Kenny of this group. Yeah. Um, and then. Oh, good. Good reference. Yes, then starts to age a little and start to feel out of place amongst, you know, going to the clubs and his younger friends' issues. And he ends up in that midlife area and then involved with the older guy mm -hmm. because that then still allows him, like, what I got out of it was that still allows him then to feel younger than that guy, you know, <laughs> which is a twisted kind of yeah. thing. But that's a great show. And if no one has checked it out, if you're in any sort of on the spectrum of queer or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's a really good show. If you liked girls, you will love looking. And they finished it up with a movie. So you get a couple seasons in a movie. Uh, I want to say that there's a very missed opportunity where ABC had this show, you know, because TV does this thing where they try to find the most outrageous title ever to draw you in. And then you yeah. watch it like, this isn't what I thought it was. So ABC did the show, reality show, Wife Swap. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's gotten picked up on one of the cable networks for this month. And so wife swap is uh, two families exchange moms is basically what it is. And like one mom goes into another house and, you know, then they realize that their original mom kept the house so clean and she's better with the kids or whatever. So it's basically like mom's a hero and we're just once mom leaves the house, it all falls apart. But I want to tell ABC or whomever. If you want to make a really good reality show, do a real show about real wife swapping because just seeing because, you know, men have this idea of they're allowed to go across this world and spread their seed. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm just being a man, baby. I got to spread my seed. It's what I was raised to do. But they want their vagina that, that that's theirs in this world. They want it to be this perfect cave that nobody else has been to. You know, they want it mm -hmm. to be this uncharted territory. And just to see grown men break down, I can't believe you fucked him. I can't believe you put his <laughs> dick inside of you. I mean, it would. it's literally like 99% of the population's worst nightmare, you know? And so a true fucking wife swap, a reality on real wife swapping. My God, you couldn't make a better reality show you know there was a show that ran for i think two episodes and it was on a really bad you know might have been even lifetime or something like that and it was actually it was a reality show and it was set in one of the suburbs of cincinnati and it was about a local community there where they were doing open marriages and mm. and polyamory and wife swapping and stuff and i was fascinated and it got canceled after two episodes i think it hit too close to home because i knew people who were like wait a minute this is down the street from me. Like yeah. what's going on in my neighborhood, you know? And then it was gone. But that was a, that was a thing that I was quickly caught up into any, any little bit of, you know, scratching under the surface of marital relations involving sex or relationships in these, what, you know, it's be seen as like uh, deviance from what you should be doing. It's so fascinating. And a, a real wife swapping or swinging show would be, tops on my list of course um i like the idea of like 
you know, open marriage, like wife swapping kind of thing. And I think that I would end up hating it because I, I, this is a topic I think about like a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Not that I'm dissatisfied with anything going on, but I like to put myself in those situations. There's been a lot of talk about it on Howard Stern lately Yeah. with uh, Brent Hatley and his wife going into swinging. The the worst swingers ever. You know, I want to, I want to defend Brent Hatley. (laughs) We're going on a tangent here, but yeah. So everybody in the audience or everybody else on the show, they can't quite grasp the idea of swinging because they're looking at it from, they're looking at it from their perspective, which is sex with somebody is just a means to have sex to, you know, like to divide and conquer to come. And Brent Hatley, from what I'm seeing is he looks at it as this is something me and my wife are doing together. So Mm -hmm. whether it's just making out or making it to, to all the way to the end, it doesn't matter because it's a couple's thing and it's a fantasy thing. So everybody else is looking at it as like, if you don't make it to climax and there's penetration involved, then it's a failure. But he and his wife are on this journey together. And I seem to grasp that concept and understand it, that it's an exploration of them. But everybody else on the show is like, if you didn't fuck, you're a failure. And I'm like, that's, that's, they just can't seem to wrap their mind around that Brett and his wife, Brent and his wife aren't being selfish. They're all being incredibly selfish with their perspective of sex, that it's about Mm -hmm. them and their pleasure. This is a couple's idea that they're introducing and everybody's spectrum is too small to understand what he's saying. And that's why he gets so fucking frustrated. The reason their spectrum is too small to understand is because those are all men who are putting forth their opinions that don't include their women's having any their women their wife having any desire yes. other than them. Yes, and it gets back to what I was saying about true wife swapping documentary is that yeah. men want to spread their seed, but they want this sacred vagina at home that nobody else has touched. And I I just, I can't get on with that. Like she has needs too. She has desires too. learn how to be attracted to her needs and everything arises to a different level. Yeah. Because I mean, Hey, fellows out there, if you want to have some of the hottest interactions you've ever had in your life, figure out what it is that that other person really wants. Yes. And And it's probably something they've never even voiced out loud or said to you or to anyone else. And if you can get like inside that kind of thought pattern as a couple, that's that's a different level right there. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, all those guys on there, even saying like that they don't they've never thought about another woman while they're making love with their wives, as as Ronnie says, <laughs> um, that's crazy. That's wrong. That I, I, Your mind has slipped once yeah. or twice. Come on, folks. Let's be real here. And none of them want to admit it because they don't want to sound like that guy and they don't want to open that up but brent and his wife it seems like they're comfortable enough with their relationship that they're just into whatever the makes the other happy is going to make them happy so i'm all i'm all for it i love listening to these stories i hope that we hear about every encounter that they have i I just i understand his frustration because they're all seeing it from that like macho male perspective of you know my my wife better not look at another guy my wife guess what Everybody who's listening, your partner is attracted to somebody else other than you. And guess what? You've probably let your brain slip someplace and so have they. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong. Like exploit that and see what happens. But they just can't wrap their head around it. And, you know, Howard's the worst. I would love I would love to see how he would react if his wife, Beth, 
had a talk show where she talked about watching babysitter porn every night. Yeah. And watching mommy porn and all this weird shit that, hey, I give him credit that he admits what he's into. Most folks won't. Uh, that he's he brags about his browser history, but <laughs> with this little post-it note over his camera. But it, it's just like, I always, I think and this comes to the fact of, once again, let's go back to the John Hughes narrative that we started this conversation off with. Because I was an outsider growing up, girls were not attracted to me. I mean, don't worry. I did okay. When I became a senior in high school, I would fucking shred. But in those years of 13 to like, say, 17, I was in this window of geographically being out of my element. And I became very good friends with girls, very good Mm -hmm. friends with girls. And in that crucial moment when girls won't date you, but they'll be your friend and you really, you know, you start to read the magazines and watch the movie and, and you, you kind of get into the zone, you get a different look on sexuality than if you're only hanging out with bros, you know, and it, it, to this day, sounds like the sex police are coming to get me to this day. <laughs> it's uh, it, it really, it shaped a lot of the way that I look at things and, you're absolutely right. A lot of guys just do not think about it from her perspective. And I was taught that early in life. Mark, if you'd have just been a lesbian in high school, you'd have been shredding all those years with that oh. little scenario you had there about your with your friends that were girls. Because that's what being a lesbian is. So much finger blasting. <laughs> you would have been shredding it up. Yeah, I, I just... Um, Yeah, I think about every time Howard says that stuff about the babysitter porn and describing, you know, the jerking off and all this, waiting for Beth to come home and all these things. I think about that scene in Private Parts where his first wife is in the car with the ladies and he's saying all that outrageous stuff and she has to turn it off, you know. (laughs) And I'm like, how much does Beth just check out from like everything and act like it doesn't exist um, on there to get along? You know, it's crazy. And all those guys the point they were making about oh you know this is bad news for you brent like when you're you know caitlin gets another cock in her you know that she might like that better and that's just such a coming from such a place of fear like yeah. you were saying yeah and he's like if that's going to happen it's going to happen anyway yeah. and and then someone said well maybe this is keeping that from happening you know cuz they're participating in this together and they're being smart enough and adult enough to realize that Hey, if we have these things, let's act on them, but let's act on them together. I think that once you conquer the fear of jealousy mm-hmm. and and you're immune to it, one, that's incredibly attractive to your partner that you're not jealous. And, and P.S., j- very, very jealous people are always the most guilty people. Mm-hmm. Like when you meet a couple and the guy's just like, you better not look at somebody else. I'm like, you're a guy who's fucking cheating on her. Like I can, you can just... You can figure it out right away. That's a guy that wants it all. That's that mentality of, I got to spread my seed, but don't you dare think about anybody other than me. That's a guy who wants to be Superman. So the fact that he's not scared of that is a level of self-confidence. And once again, he's attracted to her desires. And I, I love that he just said, guess what? Other guys had fucked her before I came along. A lot of men mm-hmm. cannot deal with that. That Once they see who the three boyfriends are, the five boyfriends are, they let that play in the back of their mind like some sort of sick torture. And uh, I don't know. It's a competition you'll never win. You'll yeah. never win that competition. And who gives a fuck? Like the, the worst thing you could ever do, ever do, is take a woman 
from her dad's house into your house. Take a woman that's never been out and, and never experimented and never had a one night stand or never been treated less than, you know, like there's, mm-hmm. there's something to be said about having somebody that's experienced enough to know that they've got it good with you and isn't going through life going, man, I never got those rowdy 20 something years. I never got those 30 something years. I never got to sleep around. Like getting to sleep around is both a privilege and a pain. And my relationship with Beth, it's probably the only time in my adult life that I've ever been faithful to somebody because I went through the grind. I know what it's like to be out on my own. I've done everything that I felt like I needed to do. And when I met her on a, you know, a date through the internet, uh, through Friendster, I went home that night and said, this woman feels different than all the rest. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm just going to be faithful to her today. You know, because I had seen the damage of dating and overlapping and be like, well, you're not my girlfriend. So I technically I can do what I want to do. And man, oh man, was that the smartest decision ever? She's never known to be second fiddle. She's never known me to do anything else. And I just, this time, let me quote the Bible on this one. This time I will, I didn't build my foundation on sand. You know what I mean? Like a wise <laughs> man doesn't build it on sand. And yeah. It, it really changed everything. And that's something that comes with maturity. You know, earlier in life, I just wasn't mature enough to make those decisions. So there's something to be said about living a little before you find the person that you want to live with. So that was your Cheaters Anonymous one day at a time plan. I'm just going to be faithful today. We'll see Absolutely. tomorrow how it goes. <laughs> Connie, it, it, at one point in my life, it was like, you know, when Rambo shooting that gun and those little bullets are flying out of the side, that was me and dating. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I was uh, a young guy in a band, uh, Strong Seven, and the worst thing ever is my mom doesn't love me. So there's that (laughs) hole in your heart, right? There's that mom doesn't love me, stepmom never bonded with me. There's just that hole in my heart. And you can replace that hole with hose. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I never got that um, crazy chance. I did a lot of living from coming to college up to meeting Stacy, but we met, I was 22 and she was 20. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and we are now 47 and 49. So this is a long time together, but it's, I don't feel like, I can't speak for her, but I didn't miss out on anything. And I like our trajectory of this was it, you know, mm-hmm. it didn't, I didn't have to, I just, this got, I got it right, you know, and it just gets stronger and better. And not that we don't have our tough times and those kind of things, but there, you know, it is, it's, it's a togetherness that we've always known it. So see, that's I can't the thing. imagine. That's the thing though. When it's perfect, you just know. And I've told that yeah. to guys before. I'm like, if, if there's any question in your mind, then it's not right because in previous lives, there was always that little 5% to 50% of, is this the right thing? And with Beth, I was just like, whatever you do, don't fuck this up. Whatever you don't fuck this up. And you've, you've made enough mistakes to know the warning signs to all of them. So, you know, social media, DMs, emails, phone calls, don't go down that road. I just, you know, I don't do it. Mm -hmm. There's been moments where, you know, Hey, um, we're both speakers at this convention. You want to split an Uber back to the hotel? No, dog, I'm good. I'll I'll get my own car back. I don't I don't need to get in a car. Nope. 
I, you know, like I know where all roads go, so I don't even go down that road, you know, and more so not because I don't trust myself. I just don't want the awkwardness of being like, uh, no, you know, you just, you, yeah. you learn how to nip it at the bud, <clears throat> but so much of this you learn as you go along. And, and to me, it's like the whole exploration of the, your twenties and thirties and TV, it's been so fun to go back and revisit it with shows like shrill and special that's coming up. And, you know, like we were talking about on the last episode when we were together, like girls was just such a wild fascination. And, you know, you just look at all the stuff and you go through it. There was a movie that came out on Netflix that is sort of a looking back on a rally time. You and I both watched the dirt and mm-hmm. what a, what a, what a segue I just did there. You and I both watched the dirt <laughs> We love Motley Crue. We talked about how much we love Motley Crue. You're friends with Tom Zutat, played by Pete Davidson in the in the film. You introduced him to me. One of my wildest interviews I ever did was with Tom. He was like sitting on this chair, like with the sun backlit name. And I was like talking to a silhouette and there was like people partying in the house. There was a country music star in the house. And I just had to be like, everybody has to leave. The interview's starting now. And I even kicked out <laughs> his business partner because I didn't know she was his business partner. That got awkward. And... <laughs> It, it And that's how I got my car egged, but it was a wild, <laughs> wild scene. I haven't read a lot of books in life. I did read The Dirt. This movie produced or uh, directed by Jeff Tremaine, who did the Jackass video uh, movies. I'm not going to say it was a good movie. It was it had that made for TV vibe to it. It's like a clip. It's like a bunch of clips of like wild stories. And, and Beth and I were like, this is bad, but their stories are so wild that it's fun to watch these like TV reenactments of it. But if you really wanted to make a movie about Motley Crue, I think that you need to take a smaller perspective. You need to dig into like two of those 20 wild years. And I think the real way you tell the story is to tell the story of Nikki six. And I think that that's the real story in there keep with one character, keep it real. I mean, this was just like a best of clip of like, they're the rowdiest rock band ever. Uh, it, it was incredibly cheesy, but I never turned it off. I watched it till the end because I love crew and I love their, their legacy. Yeah. I, when this trailer came out, I was hot for this trailer. I was just like, man, this looks fantastic. This is going to be great. It's going to be so much fun. And what they did pull off was the fun. Yeah. They got that in there. Um, I understand everyone's criticisms about why are we um, celebrating this band and this horrible behavior and this misogyny and this drug use and this things. Man, you had to be there. That's it's just a different time. It's it was a different not time, the, man. It was not the Me Too generation. It was it was what has led up to this, you know, explosion of things. And so we we need to see that as well. You can't for you can't. Just get rid of the past and, and not understand why we're in the future that we're in now. But this movie for me was what I imagined when I was at my grandma's house and I had the cream magazines yeah. and the yeah. circus magazine. And I read those little stories and those little, they would tell you just enough in those magazines to make you be dreaming of the sunset strip. I yep. was, you know, in, in, in East Tennessee at my grandma's house for the summers. And I w- we would always go down to the little country store there and I would get my magazines for the week. Yeah. And, and you see those pictures of, you know, nobody looked better than Motley Crue 
when Shout at the Devil came out. I mean, that the le- the leather, the blonde, one blonde guy, you know, and the rest were the dark-headed guys. That was that was a deal, you know. That was like a thing that you were fascinated by. So when I saw this movie and, like, and watched it. Always, I, always open jacket, like no shirt on, ripped abs, bottle of Jack in their left hand. Like, I never drink once. That bottle of Jack looks so fucking cool, just always in their hand. Yeah, that was just a world that I could not imagine being in but wanted so badly to be in and that's why when i sat down at, across from tom's utah one night at dinner i was like no matter what you ever do you gave me my teenage years yep. of music you were responsible for guns and roses and for motley crew who were two of my passions then i i have so many memories that are the soundtrack that, that they are the soundtrack to my life and that's because of you so i just want to tell you thank you for that and we've become friends now and um actually tom i think is working on a book himself good uh, i might be doing the cover for that good. so that's going to be interesting but back to the movie um it 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 was fun i sat down and watched it with tanner and as we were you know and he's he knows of motley crew but he doesn't have the experiences that you and i had now i think he's a full-on motley crew head which <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, sure how I feel about that, but it's it was fun. If it comes on cable, I'll not turn it off. Yeah, it's one of those that will stop me with the remote when I see it. Yeah, because it's like you said, it is like Eclipse. It's like a best of. It's a hype video for Motley Crue, the good and the bad. And I read a lot of bad reviews of the the show before I watched it, and I see where they were coming from, but they're looking at it through today's eyes. And through what they, I think they feel like they need to write. And it isn't high cinema. It's not going to get an Oscar. It's not going to be nominated. But you know what? Neither should have Bohemian Rhapsody. Should not have been nominated. This is a better, more fun, more uh, complete telling of a band than Bohemian Rhapsody was. So at me if you want to in these comments. I don't care. That That movie was a piece of trash. They didn't know what movie they were going to make. And the band was too involved and too worried about their legacy. Hey friends, I hope you're having a good time hanging out with Connie and myself. Coming up in part two for members of the Circle of Trust. I know, I know, it's not a popular opinion, but I'm the last person who's still watching The Walking Dead. And I am shocked to report to you that it actually got good. I mean, I guess a broken clock can be right twice a day, but it was actually good. So I'm still out there on the front lines. I'm still fighting all the walkers, and I'll let you know what's happening on the show. And talk about how good shows sometimes, well, they go a little bit wrong. And I don't know if you're aware of your person that you should should know everything about. She's on the cover this week. That's how important I think the story of Gypsy Rose is. Hulu's made a fantastic show called The Act that Connie and I immediately fell in love with. So we talk about Gypsy Rose and, well, without giving away any spoilers, one of the wildest stories and people that you should know. Coming up in part two, a whole lot more TV, a whole lot more conversation, a whole lot more good times for members of the circle of trust sign up today at aid.network get the full version of today's episode and our archive of over 935 episodes what do you say we get back into hanging out with connie collinsworth of butchandsissy.co in part two of comment below for members of the circle of trust i'm curious about this elton john biopic that's coming out because it looks like it might have a level of like storytelling in it and not just be a clip show um, I always respect respected Elton John because, you know, that old saying, I was country before country was cool. He was gay before gay was cool. I mean, he just oh. came out <laughs> swinging, man. 
Yeah, out, as, as I think in the trailer, he says, you know, like I was looked outlandish or whatever, and that just equated with gay. Whether you knew or not, right. you thought he was gay from the way that he looked. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm high on that one because of Taron Egerton playing um, Elton John in that. He's the fellow from uh, that I loved in the Kingsman movies. There's, I haven't seen that franchise, but there's a scene in that trailer for the Elton John biopic where he's depressed. He's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. And then he steps out into Dodger Stadium with that baseball bat over his shoulder and the, the rhinestone Dodgers yeah. outfit. And then that like swagger and charm just comes on and he just peacocks out there. And that to me, being a guy who's been in entertainment, that's show business. You can like yep. this is the thing that frustrates me about people like Billy Bauman. Like and I don't think people understand this. And when I interview people, I can certainly see that they don't understand this. And why would they? They're just being on one episode. But like when I hit record. I leave all my shit behind. If I'm tired or I don't feel good, I, I'm doing today's episode with one fucking eyeball closed because my cataract is just killing me. But I don't come on here and I never yawn into the microphone. I, you know, if I do complain, I try to make it part of the conversation. And it's like that moment when Elton John just, when you hit that stage, it's fucking show business. And you know what great business to be in is show business. People would fucking die to have this job that I've created for myself. I never take it for granted. When I hit record, it's like all my problems, they go away for 90 minutes. Phones on mute. Life doesn't matter. Nothing matters but this conversation. This is the only thing that matters in my life. And when I see people like yawn and doze off and check their phone and not be involved in it, I go, well... You, you just don't have the mind for what it takes to be in show business because it's all or it's fucking nothing. Yeah, this conversation you and I are having is like a performance of a person on stage. You don't know what's going to happen in that show. You don't know where it's going to go. Mm -mm. We didn't know we were going to talk about uh, the Howard Stern show and wife swapping. <laughs> you know, you got to be ready for the that. The looser it is, and the better the audience enjoys it because it's just flowing and the conversation's going natural. And you know what it sounds like? It sounds like two fucking friends hanging out. That's exactly right. what's happening. Right. And, and, you know, like you said, people who aren't behind the scenes of music business don't understand that. But I've stood backstage and seen people having the worst day of their lives yep. and knowing that this is, you know, another night. And it's going to be the same way the next night and the next night and the next night. And you know what? They put that guitar on and they step out there and they entertain because that's what those people paid their money to see. And that's what you do. And not that you're hating it or that your heart isn't in it, but it wasn't where you were at two minutes ago. And you've got to turn it on and do the best that you can. A lot of people would say that to be, and there's a lot of truth to this, that you have to be a complete like narcissist to be good at entertainment because it's all about you. It's all about you. There's a part of that that is the ego that gives you the permission to do it, but you also have to have an incredible amount of empathy for your audience, for the people that got you there. And I see a lot of people that when they do, you know, we'll use podcasting for an example, they just, they can't bring it. They can't get to that level of energy. They don't have the personality. Like, I don't care that your throat's sore. I don't care that, you, you know, I was out, I saw... I was out till 1.30 a.m. last night seeing Shazam so I could have that in my lexicon of pop culture. And I was up at 6 a.m. Like, you don't care that I'm tired. 
It's not important to you at home. Guess what? It's fucking Monday morning and you just commuted and put fucking two kids on a school bus and you're going someplace to be a part of fucking middle management and deal with Rick from fucking marketing telling you your ideas aren't good when Rick from fucking marketing can't draw a stick man. You don't need to hear that Bricky's got one eye closed and he feels a little tired. Wah, poor Bricky. Like I'm fucking privileged. I know that. When I come in here to record, it's all about the guy, the gal in the car, in the cubicle with the headphones on, where their mm-hmm. buds. And it just, it always am- 